today is kind of more of a bridge, uh, kind of like a bridge message between where we've been and where we're going. And so, um, <laughs> Jesus help me. So anyways, yeah, so listen, today's just kind of a, of a bridge message. And so t- next week we'll probably get a little bit more teachy. And, uh, but today it's going to be pretty simple, pretty practical. Uh, but I, but I do believe this. Here's where my face sat this morning is that when we get to the end of today's message, I'm just really believing for a supernatural encounter, uh, for every person in this room. Okay. So I want you to go ahead and maybe, uh, point your, uh, just your faith and your expectation, uh, to that place and just believe that God's going to move, that God's going to touch your heart when we get to the end of today. All right. Let me give you a, a address to turn to. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. If you're taking notes today, the message is simply titled, The The Exchange. The Exchange. Matthew chapter 19. If you're there, say, oh yeah. Good deal. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, you are amazing. And Lord, we are people that absolutely believe your word. God, we take it, uh, Lord, at face value. God, we know that you uh, said what you meant and you meant what you said. And so, Father, from Genesis to Revelation, uh, God, we believe it. We don't we don't choose uh, what we're going to believe. We don't we're not picky and choose Lord, we believe it all. And so, Lord, we just thank you today just that every part of your word, God, has access to our hearts. And so, Lord, uh, we know today, God, that you said that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And so, Lord, we just open up our hearts to the Holy Spirit and we just thank you for uh, coming and teaching us your ways, teaching us your heart, teaching us literally the, the life that you desire for us to live, the life that you made available to us through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And so thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Listen, we've been talking about how all change that is initiated by God is positive, meaning this, that all change that originates from God's heart, that all change uh, literally that starts with him, it is a positive thing. Can somebody say positive? Now, the reason we can say that is because if we truly believe that God is good, right, if we really believe that his heart and his intentions toward us are good, if we really believe that his plans for our lives are good plans, then we can be 100% confident that when he begins to initiate change in our lives, that it is a good thing and it's for our benefit. If you know that's true, say amen. Amen. Now, listen, uh, that doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily always understand what God's doing, and it doesn't necessarily mean we're always going to understand why he's doing it. But it does mean this. It does mean that because we know his consistent character, that he is consistently good, that no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what season of change is blowing through our life, that we can simply trust him. Amen. So listen, it's in those seasons uh, that I believe God wants us to remember a few things, meaning in the season of change. I, I think he wants us to remember that uh, that literally that he knows our beginning from the end. Right. That he wants us to remember that he numbered our days. Right. That they were written in his book before we ever lived one of them, that he wants us to remember that he who begun a good work in us is faithful to complete it. That he wants us to remember what that it says that if we trust in him with all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding, but when we acknowledge him in all of our ways, that he'll make our path straight. Because he said all those things and a whole lot more things in the Bible, it's because of that we can trust him. Is that true? 
Now, listen, I don't know about you, but even though sometimes we know that's true, because how many of you guys know that there's that there's that 18 inch journey from your brain to your heart? And sometimes your brain knows what's right, but your heart doesn't connect with it. Right. And so it's a lot of times when uh, change happens, uh, it, it's definitely easy to let, let me sit this way, that our automatic response in that moment when change comes is to get scared, pump the brakes, dig in our heels. Uh, but I don't know about you, but the moment that I went through those things where I go, oh, God, he's changing something. In fact, let me maybe say it this way to be a little bit clearer. Uh, a lot of times uh, we, we don't necessarily see change, but we feel change. If you're walking with God in, in your spirit as you're serving him, you're going to feel an unsettling in your gut. And you're going, God, what in the world are you doing? And in those times when you feel that unsettling, it's really easy to get afraid and to get scared because you don't know what tomorrow holds. But it's in those moments, at least for me personally, uh, when, when I know that God's uh, when I know change is happening, when I go in the prayer closet and, and then I really uh, begin to understand who is initiating the change and not that it's, you know, this person or that person, but it's him that's moving. A lot of times for me personally, that's allowed me to go, OK, God, I'm going to quit fighting against this change. Are you with me that, that I'm going to, that I'm going to literally surrender to what you're doing, that I'm going to embrace what you're doing. And, and once again, it's, it's this whole idea that uh, that when he begins to initiate change, can we embrace what he's trying to change in us? Once again, because we trust him, but not only because we trust him, but because we trust his his transformational process in our lives. Am I making any sense to you today? So uh, let me maybe share something with you today, and, and I've shared it before, and, and you know, I'll shoot straight with you. This probably isn't the most simple example, uh, but my hope is that somewhere along the line you can grab a hold of some point in here, okay? So this is going to be a little extreme because I'm going to talk about one of the greatest transitions uh, that we've ever walked through, meaning uh, basically change. And I've shared it with you before, but it's this. When, when Jen and I moved back from uh, Louisiana to North Carolina, uh, I went from being a pastor that was responsible uh, for two main ministries in the church to literally going to housekeeping staff with very little responsibility in the church. And, and you know, now looking back, I guess what, it's maybe 12, 13 years ago now, something like that of, of literally God pulling us from ministry and setting us to the side for a minute. Uh, now I, I look back and I, and I realize how, uh, how unhealthy I was during that time of transition. And here's what I mean by that is, is, uh, now I realize, looking back at what, I guess, 25 years old, uh, of how much I really needed to grow up. And how much I really needed personally uh, to understand God's character and how he works with people, how much I needed a greater revelation of his love, how much, and this is huge, how much humility I needed. And maybe let me be open. When your first position as a young guy, I was saved maybe three and a half years, my first job at a church was at a 2,000-member church. I, I didn't have the humility to walk in that. Can I be honest with you? Because my head got so big, I could hardly get through the door. And, and it wasn't intentional, but there was something inside of me that I did what so many Christians do. I compared myself to everybody else, my friends that were in ministry school with us, and I looked at the church that I was at that God blessed me to be a part of compared to the ones that they were in, and my head went, Phew. is that too honest? <laughs> So, so listen, that, uh, I, so I need humility, but also I, I needed healing from a lot of past hurts. And, uh, and, and, you know, let me maybe go so clear to say this, that, that I needed the root of rejection, I needed insecurities, and I needed this thing called religion broken off of me. In fact, I remember right before I uh, went to that church the first time, because I was at that church twice in North Carolina, I was at that church in Louisiana twice, I'm getting really confusing this morning, here we go, is... Um, 
the uh, the first time I went, first time I made that transition at 21 years old, uh, I remember this lady came up and prayed for me. And as she was praying for me, she started saying, I break off religion. I break off religion. And I was like, woman, what are you talking about? I'm not religious. You're religious. <laughs> and I realized months later, dog, I'm religious. <laughs> And the reason is because my view of God was he's an angry God. And if he's angry, I'm angry and I'm going to preach angry. And I didn't realize that, you know what, the God's really loving. And so what happened is, is I became a Pharisee overnight and didn't even realize it. Are y'all following me today? So anyways, uh, let me maybe just throw it this way. How many of you guys know that God knows you better than you know yourself? Amen. So, listen, I was completely unaware, like I said, of how unhealthy I was there at the time. But, but thankfully, God loved me, and he loved those people enough that he called a timeout, took me out of the game, sat my blessed assurance on the bench. <laughs> right? Right? And so he, he sat me there until, you know, why? Because he didn't want me to cause any more damage in my life and any more damage in his people's lives. And so, you know, I'd be lying to you today if I said that that season, you know, once again, at 25 years old, if that season of change was easy. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever walked through in my life. But, but now I can look back and say this, that it was not only necessary, but it was worth it. Amen. It's one of those things, and I think you understand, because we've all been through things. Uh, you know, and nobody's thing is worse than anybody else's thing. We've all lived it, right? And there's that, there's that line that we all use. It says this, I never want to go through it, I never want to go through it again, but I sure am glad I went through it. Right? Because it's what, it's literally, it's the refiner's fire that God walks you through, and it's who He makes you out to be once you get, once you get out of the other side and you say, thank God I survived, right? So, listen, so years later, after a tremendous amount, and I'm going to keep saying this, but God initiated change. He called another time out, and he put me back in the game. And what's so funny is he put me back over the same two ministries I was responsible for before. Except this time, instead of bringing a lot of harm to the body, uh, Jesus moved through me to bring life and to bore a lot of, a lot of good fruit for the kingdom. Amen? And, and so that, that's where you look back and you go, you know what, um, let me say it this way. It, it was when I got to that point, I understood that the father was saying this, Quentin, now I can trust you with my people. Does that make sense? That, that there's that thing. And, and let me maybe say this, because there's people in the room uh, that want to be in ministry and want to do things. There's that part, guys, that that God wants to know that we're going to take care of his people and we're going to take care of them well. Amen. And not just uh, use a platform for our own benefit. Amen. But but there's that part where we have his heart for the people that we care for him like he cares for them. We love them how he loves them. We see them how he sees them. When they talk, we hear them like he hears them. It's in their heart, right? It's compassion and mercy, right? So anyway, so let me say this to you real quick. If you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, maybe the best thing you get all day. All right. Um, if we want to walk in resurrection power, then we need to remember that death always precedes a resurrection. If we want to walk in resurrection power, Jesus promised us that, right? Right? Do you know that? Jesus promised that you would live in resurrection power. Wave your hand if you know that. All right. It's okay if you don't. We'll keep teaching. All right? So, listen, if, if, uh, if we want to walk in resurrection power, then we need to remember that death always precedes a resurrection. And let, let, me, let me maybe say it this, this way to you. Too many Christians are just redecorating the tomb. All right? Meaning this, that, they, that they, don't, they don't like their lives, they don't like the way they look, so they go down to the local TJ Maxx because it's on sale. Amen. 
Amen. It's on sale. I'll, I'll say it. Amen. It's on sale. Hallelujah. And, and so and so they get something and they just redecorate their death. But you got to understand there's got to come a point where, where you and I understand that the end of us is the beginning of him. That the end of our glory is the beginning of his glory. And so there's that side that Jesus wants to bring in us that, that maybe let me say it to you this way. The late Steve Hill said this. He said that, that religion is hanging around the cross. Christianity is getting on the cross. Big difference. It's easy to hang around church. It's another thing to get in the prayer closet and say, Jesus, do what only you can do in me. And, and all this all this flesh. And I'll say it this way, that God doesn't want to hurt her pride. He wants to kill it. Right. And, and so, God, whatever's in me that you need to bring death to so you can resurrect me so I can be of use for your kingdom, then God do it. It's a great place to say amen. I gave it to you, Bama style. All right. So, listen, I'm not saying uh, that this passage that we're about to read can be slapped on every uh, God-initiated change, but, but it really fits the season we walk through. So, meaning we walk through, I walk through. She was great. Um, she was great. Here, I, let me, here, I'll, I'll even be so honest to tell you this. I'm going to encourage some of you, some of you husbands out there. Um, <laughs> what, what, y'all remember Pastor Tommy? I mean, Pastor Tommy, right? Pray for him, by the way. He lives in the city. It's getting hammered right now, okay? Um, so he doesn't even know if his church is what. Anyways, they're like under four feet of water. So pray for them. So, um, so Pastor Tommy's son is one of my best friends on the planet, okay? And uh, he got, his name's Tommy Jr. So Tommy got married. So Jen and I went down to, we went down to Tommy and Sarah's wedding. And, and I got the great privilege to preach a Sunday morning service. And afterwards, that guy I've told you about, old Dr. Lynn, right, that that's just walks with Jesus like crazy. I said, hey, Doc, can you pray for Jen and I after service? Bad mistake. All right. So so we get we get in the in the little ready room. Pastor uh, is actually Pastor Tommy's office, but it's where everybody kind of gathers uh, before service. And I went and preached and God did his thing. He moved. And uh, then we went back in there and Dr. Lynn prayed for us. I can't believe I'm sharing this. This is the only thing the prophet said. Jennifer, the Lord would say that he knows Quentin is difficult to live with. <laughs> I'm like, so literally, literally said that. Right? I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it, it's so basically talking about how, you know, he's been with her and helped her and he will continue to help her. Right. <laughs> we walked out of there. I looked at her and I said, even the Lord thinks you're perfect. What is this? <laughs> so anyways, so all that transition I'm talking about had to do with me, not with her. Amen. Because her and Jesus, they obviously love each other. All right, here we go. So let me read this verse to you, and this isn't the address I gave you. It's another one, but it's Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. I'm actually reading out of the Message Bible just because it puts it really clear. It says this. We're talking about, once again, talking about what God does during seasons of change. It says this. It says, Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as children? Do you know that everyone who has received him, it says in John 1, 12, that you have become what? His Children, right? You're his sons and his daughters, all right? So it says, my dear children, hear this please. My dear children, don't shrug off God's discipline. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that? My dear children, don't shrug off God's discipline. But equally catch this. But don't be crushed by it either. Y'all hear me? There's a lot of people when God begins to move, they begin to run. Don't let it crush you. Hang in there, all right? It says, it's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. Let me pause right there for a minute. 
as all of you know, most of you know, Jen and I have four kids. No parent in their right mind enjoys whipping a child or punishing a child, right? Except my mom. I think she, she, that was her hobby, all right? As we say in Alabama, man, my mom whooped my butt a lot, all right? And so um, no parent enjoys that. But there's something about you. you there's a responsibility that rests on you for, for who that child is going to become in the future. And there's things that's like at this moment I'm willing to do something that I don't enjoy so we can enjoy who you are later. Amen? Listen, I did youth ministry too long to know that kids that were never punished, they turned out to be hellions. Are you hearing me? And I'm not saying that it doesn't happen the opposite way, too, but it does. But, but there's that sense of when we, when we punish our children or when we discipline our children, maybe it's a better word, we're doing it for their own benefit, not so we can get some kind of joy out of it, right? So, li- listen, you know, I, I, you know, my mom is so funny. I'm going to tell on her. She's not here. She's in Alabama. But um, she won't listen to the podcast. All right, so she's at her church. It's all right. Here we go. So, but my mom now, she actually admitted, I think it was maybe two years ago, we were sitting on our, our couch in North Carolina, and she goes, you know, I know now, because you got to think my mom wasn't born again. She got born again, what, three years ago, something like that. She goes, I, I know now that, that I whipped you way too much. And uh, I was like, I've, I've known that for some time, you know, so <laughs> I've known that a long time. <laughs> you were angry. I know, right? So anyways, so... Um, Anyways, but, but there's, there was a time, I don't know, it was years before she finally confessed her sins unto the Lord. But uh, anyways, that, that I told her, I said, Mom, I know you're really hard on me growing up, but I want you to know I really appreciate it. Because I know I wouldn't be who I am today if you wouldn't have done that. Am I making any sense to you guys? And so there's that side when we look at the scripture that we understand once again God's, father's, God, uh, God's father heart. And we realize why he does what he does. So let, anyways, let's continue. It says, God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. In other words, the school of the spirit, right? It says, he's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training. Somebody say training. It says, the normal experience of children. It says, only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? What a verse, right? says, we respect our parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? says, while we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, but God is doing what is best for us. Do you get that? What's best for us? Training us to live God's holy best. And it says, at the time, discipline isn't much fun. Your translation may say it is painful. And then it says, it always feels like it's going against the grain. It's called going against the butt, right? Here we go. So later, of course, it pays off handsomely. Watch this. If you don't get anything else first, grab a hold of this. It says, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. Do you get that? That that's the heart of God. That's the purpose. That's where he's trying to bring us to so we can be mature. So, you know, looking back at that season that we walked through, um, there was a, it was a lot of pain. There was a lot of tears. There were a lot of, a lot of uh, death that took place. But, but I can say this. I'm not, I'm not sure if the level of maturity that I walked out of that season with could have happened any other way. Am I making sense to you guys today? So, listen, I know, I know I'm kind of uh, gunshotting things here. But, but if you can, you know, just look at your own life and, and look at the things that you've personally went through, the things that the Lord has spoken to you. Even maybe this, the times that he said, no, you're not going to do that. And you acted like a two-year-old and you threw a tantrum. But then you went with him and said, okay, God, and look at the outcome of what he, what he brought through, you, uh, through your life, right? 
Right. All right. Here we go. So let me just share this with you. And we're, we're, we're actually going to be pretty short this morning. But, um, you know, over the last 20 years, remember, I didn't grow up in I didn't grow up in church. But over the last 20 years, uh, I have witnessed a lot of good hearted Christians come to a crossroad in their walk with God. And, and this is where uh, God began to initiate change in their lives. And, and you know, let me say this. It was, it was certain areas that they really needed change. It wasn't unnecessary. It was needed. Maybe it was dealing with something in their past, meaning that, uh, you know, I, I'll just say it this way. Uh, a lot of times where people are at today, uh, with most people now, after almost 20 years of ministry, one of the number one questions I want to ask people is this, is what was your relationship like with your father? Because so much, so much pain uh, that people walk in, you can, you can bring it back to that. Okay, what was your relationship like with your mom? What, you, you know, whatever, it just, it just gets so personal. So many uh, family things that even though our parents love us, they care for us, and uh, maybe not in the way we, you know, would have liked, but, but most of us don't ever leave that relationship unscathed. Are you all with me today? So maybe it's something uh, that's in their past, or maybe it's a character issue that God's pointing out that, that they can't really just get past. Maybe it's a, a sin that they're still wrestling with. And so what I've seen people do, rather than just trusting God and allowing him to deal, you know, really have access to the deep chambers of their heart, many of those guys have resisted him and they've run the other way. Okay, let me give you an example today. And this, I don't know why today I'm giving you like these things that are like way here when we should be operating here on practical stuff. But let me give you an example. Um, when we led the school of ministry in North Carolina, uh, there was a young man that came to us that, that really had a uh, perversion background. And, uh, and, and I don't know why we just, we just felt like it was the Lord, we, his leadership, we prayed, and we felt like we needed to give this kid a chance. And so uh, we gave him a chance, and, and even as we said in that first thing, there was so much of his issue originated with his parents, and then it was choices that he made from that. And so anyway, so we uh, brought this kid in, and we, we shot straight with him. We, we sent him to counseling every week. Uh, we gave him books that he had to read. We checked up on him continuously. What's your lifestyle like? How are you doing? All these things. And then he, you know, he started every day like all the rest of the students in an hour of prayer. He had to read the whole New Testament. He had to read all the books. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot of God information that is opportunities for transformation that was provided for him, okay? And so after Two years of being in the school, I, let me back up. After the first year, man, we really started seeing a lot of breakthrough with the kid. A lot, a lot of things, man, God was really moving. And, and it was so interesting to watch this call of God on this young man's life starting to emerge. And, uh, and then he began to realize, you know, God's called me to China to be a missionary. I can get behind that, young man. We can do that. And so we began to train him in that area for him to be able to go do that. And then after the second year... Um, he ended up like in the summer, you know, and it was, part, it was a part of his issue already. He and it was kind of kind of from his mom in a way, but but he isolated himself a lot from the body. He isolated himself from his friends, and that's always dangerous. I don't, I don't care who you are, I don't care how old you are. If, if you don't make relationships in the body God's put you in, and if you isolate yourself, you're, you're you're putting a big old target on your rear end and asking the devil to hammer you. Okay, because we all need people. Amen. So so anyway, so this. This kid, he went and did his thing, and the place he worked, there was people of the same spirit that he used to operate in. I hope you get where it's going. 
And so this guy came along and, and that was quote unquote Christian, but living this alternative lifestyle. And he began to say, look, here's Bible verses that say that God is okay with this. He wants us to be happy. Holy men, okay, son, let's talk. Okay, the, I hear what you're saying, but the Bible says this. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, okay, pastor, I get it. Okay, he goes back out. Once again, isolates himself. That influence comes. One day he comes to church, and he's got his fingernails painted, and he's looking prettier than most of the women in the building. And I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm just stating facts, okay? So he comes in, and he's like that, and I said, hey, come here. Where are you at, dude? You know? And then let me say this. The last time he and I talked... I said, I called him by name. This is the last conversation I had with him. I said, um, what's sad is I know and you know that you're called by God to be a missionary. And let me just ask you, are you choosing this lifestyle or God? I'm choosing that. We're done. It's not that, let me, let me be clarify, because we were still there for him, right? But we were saying, in other words, I, at that point, I was like, I, I'm done chasing you. You've got to want it for yourself. Okay, so uh, because if he called me today, we should, I'd, be, I'd be there in a second if he wanted change. So, so but what happened was, is he came to this point where, where God was going, okay, we've dealt with surface stuff. Now let's go to the roots. And he was unwilling to go, okay, God, do what only you can do. Are, are you all following me today? Amen. So listen, so you got those kind of people, and that can be in a whole host of areas. I know, I'm, I'm, once again, that's kind of an extreme example. But let me give you another group of people. They resist him not by running away, but they resist him by digging in their heels and refusing to have forward progress in the kingdom. And maybe this is the, the best way I can say it, is God is bringing up this issue in their life, and because they're, willing, they're unwilling to allow, uh, to allow the Holy Spirit to confront it and bring change, they're unwilling to surrender it. This is what their life looks like, and I wish I could show you, but, you, you know, you'll see them in service, they'll be passionate. It's almost like they're running as fast as they can, and then they just slam into that wall. And then they go, okay, the next week I'm going to run again. I'm going to slam right into that wall. And then then the only thing is, is that wall is going to remain there until they surrender it to Jesus. Am I making sense to you? So what happens is, is these people have lived uh, years in the same spiritual spot that they've been in for years. And once again, going back to what we talked about last week, they started off really, really, really well. Right. And then they thought, well, OK, I'm good because they compare themselves to everybody else. And they go, OK, I'm not I'm not the worst sinner. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not super saved, but, you know, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. Right. And, and they say, OK, so I kind of reached my level. There's no need to keep pressing. And what happens is, is that doesn't work in the will of God. OK, maybe even let me clarify it like this. The, the Bible says in Matthew four nineteen, where Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Right. Do you understand that when you and I answer that call to salvation, to follow him, we, we were responding not to a moment of change, but to a lifestyle love change, meaning that there's there's never an expiration, uh, you know, date attached to that. This is once you're five and a half years in, you're good. No more change. No, no, it's, it's, it's the understanding. Once again, we quoted Philippians 1, 6 earlier. For he who begun the good work in us is faithful to complete it. That that doesn't ever end. Are, are you all with me today? So what happens is, is because they get settled and comfortable again, what, what happens is, is they just keep, uh, let me say it this way, they're completely unaware that they keep circling the same mountain. 
and they wonder why they can't get breakthrough. They wonder why God's not doing what they're, what they're wanting him to do. They're wondering why, okay, God, I know you spoke to me here in my second year of salvation that I'd be doing that over there, but I only made it this far and I'm stuck, God, and I can't figure out why, and I'm getting mad at God because I'm not doing what he said. But the problem is God's looking at us and going, but you know that thing I keep trying to deal with you on? In fact, I, I remember one, one service we were in, and, um, man, just prophetic ministry was flowing. It was, I mean, it was, man, it was a great service. We spent probably about, I don't know, it was a worship night. And then we decided just to pray for people. And, and uh, we spent, I don't know, probably about two hours worshiping God. And then just, hey, if you want prayer, just hang out, okay? And I remember uh, a young man that was walking with us. And, man, Jesus was just speaking to people. I mean, it was unbelievable stuff that, you know, you know how it is. If you've ever been there, you don't have a clue about it. And God's talking, okay? And they're all crying and doing all that because Jesus is doing this thing. And I got, and this young man, he turned and he said, okay, I want you to pray for me. And I started praying for him and, the, and, and literally I went, I stopped and this is what I heard. I said, you know what? And I called him by name. His name's Mike. I said, you know what, Mike, the, the Lord isn't going to do anything until you do the last thing he told you to do. And, and then I stopped and I said, do you know what that is? He said, yes, sir, I know exactly what it is. But that's the thing is, once again, we're wanting God to do all of this, but what are we doing now? Are we responding to what he's saying? Are we, the, the change he's wanting to bring in us, are we responding to it? Am I being clear enough today? Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, we've all been there, right? So let, let, let me maybe even so bring, full, bring something here full circle, okay? And I still got to get done. But when God called that time out and snatched me out of the game and put me where I was at, you know why he did that? Because I didn't respond to what he had been telling me for years. That's why he did that. It was the mercy of God that went into action before I destroyed my life. Okay? Y'all get the point. All right, here we go. Y'all found Matthew 19? Have y'all found Matthew? Y'all say y'all here? It's a new wave is coming to you. Here we go. Matthew 19. You guys, all right, if you guys could turn to... <laughs> Matthew chapter 19. Don't you know now, don't you know? We're going to Minnesota. All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, here's an example of a type of person we're talking about. All right, this is a very familiar passage, but Matthew 19, we're going to read verses 16 through 22. It says, Now behold, one came. Now we know from the other Gospels, this one that's talking about is the rich young ruler. All right, okay? So it says, Now behold, one came and said to Jesus, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. That should remind you of what we talked about at the top, that God is good. Amen? So then it says, but if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness or lie. And he says, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 20. It says, the young man said to him, all these things I have kept for my youth, what do I still lack? Isn't it amazing? It doesn't matter where we're at in life, we know if we're lacking. Everybody else may be around us thinks everything's going great, but we know where we're really at, right? So it says in verse 21, it says, Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, that actually means if you want to be lacking nothing, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. It says, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Listen, there's a lot of things we can spell from that passage, and there's things that I definitely want to teach you 
in the future, and hopefully the Lord will let us. But, but there's only two things that I want us to see uh, this morning, okay? So the first one is simply this, and this is super, super simple. Like I said, we'll get more theological next week, okay? Number one, our forward progress can't be secondary. So simple. Our forward progress in the kingdom of God can't be secondary to something else in our lives. Hang with me here because I don't want to lose you. You see, Jesus wasn't saying to the rich young ruler that he had to be poor to obtain eternal life. He was just trying to show him that he had made his relationship with God secondary to his possessions. Do you get that? That he had made his relationship with God secondary to his possessions. In other words, this guy's main priority was his financial security, not his growth in the kingdom. So even as believers, we can fall into similar traps. And uh, if we're not aware of it, or if we're aware of it or not, it is easy to fall into uh, literally the trap of financial security, relational security, and even religious security. And it's easy to let those things take priority over our forward progress or over our spiritual growth in the kingdom of God. Now, let me, let me maybe sit on a few of those for a second. Financial security, what do I mean? I mean this, that, that you spend all of your time working because you have a fear which is real. Listen, you, you can have you can have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in the bank and still operate from a poverty mindset or poverty spirit. Because once again, a poverty spirit uh, is simply this. It's not it's not uh, afraid of being paid the, the bills and all that. It's afraid of basically that you'll never have enough. Okay, that there'll never be enough. And so what happens is, is there's people, and, and some are private spirits, some are just greedy, whatever, okay, that, that they want to make money, 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 and they spend all their time working, 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 that they make very little time for God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, you know, uh, I think a, a quote that convicts me to the core is a quote by Martin Luther where he said this. He said, I'm too busy not to pray. Do you get that? I'm too busy not to pray. So many people, man, over 20 years, so many people have said, uh, Pastor, I would love to do what you're talking about, but you know what? I, I'm too busy. I can't do that. And I think the, the point that Luther's coming from is simply this, is you're so busy and God's entrusted with you so much, how can you not spend time praying and saying, God, we need you in this? Does that make sense? So anyway, so it's these people, once again, that their priority is their possessions. It's what they have. It's, it's, it's keeping up with the Joneses. It's making sure they have the latest and the greatest. Or maybe it's just uh, they just got too much stuff. All right? Y'all getting quiet in here. All right, here we go. So uh, relational security, what I mean by that is this, is that there's people who value their friendships uh, more than they value God. And what I mean by that is this. They know God's called them to deeper levels. He's called them to spiritual growth. But they know that if they go there, then their friends are going to say, see ya. I'm going to tell you, that wasn't much of a friend in the first place. Because the true friend wants you to get all that you can get. Amen. And so there's that side where, where people, I, I, even, I even go this far to say it this way. With Adam and Eve in the garden, I think at the end, Adam loved Eve more than he loved God. We can even love our spouse more than we love God. Y'all getting quiet. So, listen, one of the things, you know, people have lists that they write, you know, when they're single and all that stuff. I kind of had one for about a week. and uh, But, um, you know, I finally gave up a week, right? Perseverance, right? Anyways. Anyways, but there was one thing that kind of stayed the course beyond the list. And it was simply this. is God, I want a wife that loves you more than she'll ever love me. 
Because I, because I know that if she would love God more than she would ever love me, hell or high water, we're going to make it. We're going to be good. And so, you know, today I can stand here after, what, 13 years of marriage. Okay, 13 years of marriage. That, uh, y'all laughing, but I'm the only one really good at that. I don't even, yeah, all right. Anyways. And that I know that, you know, that that woman still to this day loves, because I'm difficult to live with, right? So, so, uh, that, that she still loves him way more than she'll ever love me. And I, and that's, that's my favorite thing about her. Amen? All right. Anyway, so the last one there is religious security. Um, y'all hold on to your hat here, right? So, what I mean by that is this, is that there's ways that we like to interact with God. Have you ever thought about what if God wants you to interact in a different way? Oh, I know. I'm just having fun. All right, here we go. Jesus. Anyway, so meaning this, there was a time in my life where Jesus challenged me with the way I worshipped him. And I said, God, I'm not comfortable with that other way. I, I, I like kind of just being here and nobody's noticing me. And uh, the Lord was like, Mm-mm, that's not the way I called you to worship. Okay. So you go to the back. <laughs> right? You kinda, I'm not going to do it in front of y'all. But anyway, start, start maybe, okay, I'll dance, but I'll dance in the back. Nobody sees me. And the Lord's like, you know what? Um, no, no, come on up. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll do it, God. So, but, but isn't it, isn't it so true that, I mean, once again, we get our, in our, uh, comfortable religious rut, and this is the way we like to do it. Or, or there's a way we like to pray, and God says, mm-mm. Let, let me maybe even stress to you this, okay? I'm convinced of this, that if our prayer life is the same every day, then we're not following the Spirit in the prayer closet. Are y'all hearing me? But it's like, Lord, you, you know, there's days, I'm telling you, where I walk in the prayer closet, and I'll maybe go to do something. The Lord's like, nope, here's what I want you to do today. Once again, against my nature, I want you to dance and sing today. <laughs> but I've walked with him enough to know, man, I mean, there's such freedom there. Right? And there's such amazing that when you obey, God comes. Right? And there's days that he says, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't want you praying for everybody else. Today, I just want you to quote the word over your own life. Speak the word over your own life. Today, I don't want you to pray anything about yourself. I want you to pray for all these other people. And there's this thing you just roll with. God, what do you want to do today? Are, are, am I, are, y'all, are y'all tracking with me? And so, but there's also this way that, oh, this is where I know I'm going to really step on some thin ice. Here we go. Y'all ready? Is when I made that transition a first time from Louisiana to North Carolina, there was a different parts of the Bible being preached. Me, meaning uh, it was good here, but it got full counsel here. We were one pie here. And then we said, okay, let's talk about the whole thing. And my view of God, and yes, I'm going to say a dangerous word, even my doctrine of what I thought I believed shifted. And it wasn't because I was trying to live in error before, but God shifted something. And so I think with us, you know, even today, you know, I've been working with the Lord almost 20 years now or something like that. I think we're at 20 years. And I'm convinced that not one of us have it all down right. You know, in other words, I have enough humility about me to understand that when we stand before Jesus, you, you know, we're all going to get there. and We're going to know where, where we were right and where we were wrong. Now, obviously, no one ever does it wrong on purpose. If you, if you do, you're an idiot, right? But the side that I want us to be in as a church, and the reason I'm saying this is because we all come from different backgrounds around here. I don't know if I've ever been in a church where so many people came from so many different places. 
right? It's like, okay, Lord, can we be open to what you're doing? And, and it's this simple fact of this is I had to go years ago. I had to go, Lord, you put me in this place because obviously you want to teach me something. And I'm telling you, Pastor Al taught the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. And my religious self squirmed and squirmed and squirmed and squirmed in that seat because it did not compute. Okay? But at the same time, I watched a lot of people come to that same church. And when it came to things like the gifts of the Spirit, they were really out of place in the moment until they got wrought by the Holy Ghost. Am I making sense to you guys today? I remember being in Louisiana in a Sunday night service, and it just basically was just time of prayer. We kind of went through a season where it was just worship and prayer pretty much every Sunday night. And there was this little girl named Simone that came in. I said, little girl, she was in her early 20s. She was from a Catholic background. I don't have anything against Catholics, but she was from a Catholic background. She just got in a circle, and we're holding hands, and the girl starts speaking in tongues. She didn't have a clue what it was. Are you hearing me? And, and so it's just like, but what's so funny, she's like, what just happened to me? She just got in an atmosphere where God was moving. Her heart was open to God. I'm thinking, I wish it was that easy for me when I first got baptized. You know, I was too stuck here, you know. So anyways, so I know we all come from different backgrounds. I'll give you another example. How many people have come from backgrounds that says, you know what, well, God doesn't heal anymore? You know, I wasn't asking you to raise your hands, but all right. But listen, when I first got saved, I was in the church that they said God doesn't heal. The only problem is, is when God moved me to another place, I didn't even know really what they believed. I just know I went, I went to a school there. People were getting healed. Uh-oh. What do I do with that old doctrine then? Are y'all following me? So, so that's the side that I'm kind of talking about, that we got to not let our religious preferences take precedence over what God is doing in our lives. Does that make sense? Because once again, you know, and, and this may sound so simple, but, but once again, if God brought you here, then there's things that there's a reason God brought you here. Be open to what he's going to do. If we're wrong, we'll make adjustments. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, here we go. Moving along. So in my opinion, it doesn't matter how old we get in the faith or old we get in the Lord. God is always tweaking and reinforcing things. That doesn't matter. And, and the truth is, the longer we've been in the Lord, the more sensitive and the more open we should be. Not the opposite way around, okay? So anyways, so here's a few things. It, it, it could be our choice of entertainment. It could be our, the way we treat people. It could be our choice of words. It could be if we're too negative. It could be our attitude. It could be concerning our marriage or maybe our parental skills. It could be the way that we handle our finances. It could be the way concerning our um, physical health, meaning if we're taking care of ourselves or not. It could be that God's going to come and want to change uh, the way we prioritize our time. Or maybe the way, I'm said this way, the amount of time we spend with our hobbies. In other words, he wants to bring balance to our lives. It could be the amount of time that we spend working. Maybe we need to rest. Maybe it's the way we uh, run our business, our leadership style. Maybe it's the way, just simply this, he wants to spend more time with us. Maybe he's wanting us to trust him more. Maybe he wants us to have more faith or more courage. Uh, maybe it's concerning our identity. Maybe it's concerning our fears. The, the truth is, is it could be hundreds, really hundreds of things, and, and no one can tell you but him. But so when he comes knocking, though, I, you know, my hope is, is that when he comes knocking on your heart's door, that, you, that you'll just be open to change. Right. Because, you know, once again, he's good and he has your best in mind and he wants to do it. So anyways, here's why. Because our forward movement in the kingdom and our fulfillment of our destinies, the development of our giftings, our effectiveness in the kingdom, our knowing him more in a more intimate way. It all really depends on our ability to embrace change. Is that true? 
I'm almost done. Y'all hang tight with me, all right? All right, here we go. So everything I said today, I really just want to get to this point. So if you're asleep, wake up. All right, here we go. This is it, right here, simple. As far as when it comes to, once again, that our spiritual growth, our advancement in the kingdom, our forward progress can't be secondary, here's really why I want you to grab a hold of that. Because number two, second thing we can learn from the rich young ruler is this, is the further we go in God, the less we can take with us. The further we go in God, the less we can take with us. Are you all understanding what I'm saying today? You're not sure. All right, here we go. Watch this. If we're here, we get born again and we get saved. Cody, stand up. Stand up. And then God's called us to go there. Guess what? If I am carrying, you, you know, I almost brought it today, but I, and I thought about using Duncan, so be thankful, okay? But, but I almost brought some weights and a backpack and a whole bunch of stuff that we try to carry through life and we try to get to where God has us because you, we'll talk about it next week. This is the old man. That's the new man that we've been called to walk in the news of Christ. That's what Jesus has made available for all of us. And this is where we really get started. And, and we can't, we can't uh, keep going. We're, you know, we're ultimately just going to be dying if we keep carrying all that weight. But there's somewhere along the line, the further we go, the less we can take with us. So we've got to start dropping stuff if we want to get to where God's called us to be. Am I making sense to you guys? So, so watch this. You sound, you did awesome. So, that's you're a man that's talent. All right. So uh, listen, that's God's motivation in bringing change in our lives. You get that. That's God's motivation, bringing change in our life. That he's trying to get us from point A to point B. And uh, we really see this because the Greek word for change means this. Once again, if you get anything, grab a hold of this. The word change in the Greek language simply means exchange. How simple it means exchange. So when God begins to knock on our heart's door with change, he is simply trying to get us to exchange something that we are holding on to, right? And so, why? He's trying to get us to, uh, to literally exchange something we're holding on to so he can release something that he's trying to release over us. Okay, let, let me maybe say that better, all right? That he is simply trying to get us to exchange something we are holding on to for something he is trying to release to us. That's why, you know, that old saying I told you before, that when you let go of what's in your hand, God lets go of what's in, what's in his hand. Amen. So, so, so that's why when we look at this thing, we keep talking about uh, that change is a positive thing. That's why it's a positive thing, because it's a simple exchange. That's where God's really trying to get us to. He wants us to understand that every time he knocks, every time he begins to initiate change, he's simply going, hey, I want to exchange something with you. Okay. And how many of you guys know what he has to offer versus what we have no comparison. Amen. So to kind of give you a thoughts, so you can stand to your feet. We're going to wrap this thing up. If you don't mind, just close your eyes. And I want you to listen. This is the point where I'm saying, you know, what? we're going to believe God to do what only God can do. OK, if you don't mind. Close your eyes. But listen, I believe today that he wants us to us to exchange our unrighteousness for his righteousness. That he wants to exchange our lack of holiness for his holiness, our pride, our arrogance, our egos for his humility, our insecurities for his security, our rejection for his acceptance, our pain for his healing, our loneliness for his friendship, our orphan hearts for sonship, our bitterness for his forgiveness, our anger for his mercy and grace, our hate for his love and kindness, our lust for his purity, our intimidation and timidity for his courage, our fear and doubt for his faith, our worry and anxiety for his peace, 
Our hopelessness for his hope, our division for his unity, our gossip for his honor, our greed for his generosity, our depression for his joy, our lack of purpose for his purpose, our insignificance for his significance, our confusion for his thoughts, that's the mind of Christ, our stubbornness for a teachable spirit, our mediocrity for a spirit of excellence, our foolishness for his wisdom, our inability for his ability, our weakness for his strength, our impossible for his possible gain. You got to know today that he wants to give you the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. And there's even this part that he wants to give. If you go, okay, God, here's my addiction. He says, well, here's my freedom. Listen, but the only way he can do that is if you have a if you are willing to have an open heart for a divine exchange. That's literally that's the perspective God wants us to have concerning change. That is simply him trying to exchange our lack for his fullness. That every time, watch this, that every time we make an exchange, we take a, another step into our destiny. Every time we make an exchange, we take another step into our purpose. Every time we take, uh, make an exchange, we step into another level of our identity. So the question really is simple today. We all know that change initiated by God is a positive thing because it's change. But the question I believe he wants to ask us today is what exchange do you need to make with him today? What exchange, Rachel, you can come what exchange does he want us to make with him today? So if you don't mind, we're going to take a minute. Just make room for him today. We're going to make room for him today. And uh, just whatever he speaks. Once again, I know I give you a big old list. But whatever he wants to do, I believe he can do it. Amen. So, Father, we just ask in this moment, Lord, with our hearts open wide, God, what exchange do you want to make with us today? God, what is it that we need to let go so we can go further into your kingdom and further into what you promised us in our lives? God, maybe it's lust. God, maybe it's anger. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Uh, It it could be a whole host of things, God. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's depression. God, whatever it is today, Lord, we're just asking right now that you would come in this place and not only increase your presence, but, God, that you begin to identify what you are wanting to exchange with us today. Come on, I want you to do yourself a favor. When you know the Lord speaks to you, just lift both hands. You know you got you know they He spoke to you, and you know this is what He wants to exchange today. And that's good. We're gonna wait on everybody else. Listen, I was laying in bed last night and I was making exchanges with the Lord. I was going through my list saying, Lord, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, I need you to do this. I don't want to be insensitive, but I, but I feel like there's um, a woman, maybe women, that, that uh, were taken advantage of, we'll say it that way, when they were children. Um, and that God says, you know what, just give it to me and I can bring healing. You've carried that thing way too long. this understanding that God doesn't want that to affect your marriage anymore. I think there's a little more in this area. So if we don't mind, just come on, just tap your heart into him. I know we've kind of been all over the place this morning, but just come on, tap into him. He speaks. He'll speak to you. Thank you, God. Holy moment.
right. We're going to trust God in this area. Listen, this is just simple faith. We're not looking for some uh, great feeling. If we get one, awesome. But we're really just stepping out in faith and just believing that God can do the impossible in this moment. So I want to just simply uh, us to kind of repeat something. And then I'm going to give you a window for you and God. Please don't worry about who's around you. I, I know it's so easy to be intimidated and what if somebody hears. Um, but I want to give you a, a, like a little window there to give what you're giving to God. Make that exchange. So let's say this. Say, Father. Oh, come on. Say what we mean. Say, Father, I come to you today because I need an exchange. So, God, today, in faith, I give you it's your moment. Come on, don't limit him in this moment. Some of y'all, it's a list of things. And that's okay. Come on, take your moment and grab a hold of what's opposite of what's from him. If it's hate, then it's love. Grab the opposite. If it's anger, it's love. It's mercy. Grab whatever it is that's the opposite of what you're trying to exchange today. Because remember, when we let go of what's in our hand, he's going to let go of what's in his hand. So say this, say, Father, come on, Father, I let go of all of that stuff today. And I open my hands and I open my heart wide to receive what you desire to release over me today. I receive it now by faith in Jesus' name. Take you a moment, say, God, I receive and, and lay it out there. Father, we receive that today in faith. God, we're asking, Lord, that we would begin to see a marked difference. That we could look back on August the 14th and say, you know what, that day he did something. I can't explain it, but he did something. Father, I thank you that we would look back today and go, we're a different person because of what he did by his spirit there. So, Father, today, just around this room, God, you know your children's heart. God, you love them so much. God, you want them to go literally into just deep levels of intimacy with you. So, Father, today, in Jesus' name, God, as they've opened up their hearts wide, God, and as you filled it, God, with your promises, as you filled it, God, with your truth, Lord, I'm asking today, in Jesus' name, that you would seal the deal, that you would seal it, Father. And we just ask that you would guard our hearts. Because, Lord, we know the enemy too well. We know that he'll come later and say, ah, God didn't do anything there. Father, even now, we just bind him in Jesus' name. Father, we silence the enemy. Father, we take captive every thought of every vain imagination that would be a lie that's against your truth and against your promises and against your word and what you've done today. And so, Father, we just thank you today for true life change. Father, we thank you, God, for just transformation in our own hearts. God, that we took uh, literally another step forward, another step forward, another step forward, God, in that great exchange. Father, thank you today that you're so good, that you are so open, God, and you want us to lay everything down at your feet. And, Father, you just said in your word, God, if we lay it there, God, you'll open up the winds of heaven over our lives. And so, Lord, thank you for an open heaven, God, over every person here today. Father, we bless you and we honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can, can we do something? Listen, I know a lot of people got to go. Um, is the worship team available? Can y'all come up? Can y'all come up? Come up. 
I just want us to end today. Just celebrate a little bit. Are y'all are y'all all right with that? I'm all right. All right. <laughs> so listen, I want them to sing. Um, we'll just sing "Open Up the Heavens." That's that that y'all like that song. So um, we'll sing that. If you need to go, uh, you can go. God bless you. But we'll just spend a little bit of time uh, having fun if you want to stay. So. Uh, if you guys don't mind throwing the words up there to help some people out, that'd be great. Kyle, break it off something, son. Have fun. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens, we want to see. Show us your glory.